right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Bearded Bible Brothers. Today we are going to jump in to our Q&A session at long last. Q&A answering your questions and comments and, and responding to the comments that you wrote in at beardedbiblebrothers at gmail.com. And uh, we got several emails from you guys, and, and we're going to address those today. So, Josiah, what's the first first uh, question or first topic we're going to hit that w- was written in? All right. Uh, let's go ahead and start with Miss Leah. We thank you for finding our podcast, and we're glad that you enjoy the conversational style. Um, me and Matt, uh, we we really enjoy having these conversations. And so uh, we, we're so glad that you decided to join in with us in this dialogue. And so, yes, please feel free to email again. And uh, we're, we're glad you, you're joining us and welcome. So um, uh, Leah brought up some a uh, couple of questions. One question she brought up was in relation to our rapture episodes, which she found quite fascinating. Uh, she's asking that we explain our biblical evidence for a non-pre-trib rapture view. So, Matt, I'm going to have you handle that one. Why don't you take that one? <laughs> Biblical evidence for a non-pre-trib rapture view. So, um, in order to be able to also get to our other emails and questions today, I'll try and be somewhat succinct. Right. Um, but the there's lots of evidence against the pre-trib view specifically the biblical evidence there are only five passages throughout scripture that specifically speak of a rapture and if you go to each of those five passages um, i'm going to try and do this from memory first first thessalonians 4 second thessalonians uh, 2 first corinthians 15 uh, I think Matthew 24 is in there, and I don't remember what the last one is, but there's only five. Hmm. And if you go to each of those passages, none of them, not a single one of them, actually communicates or teaches the pre-trib rapture view. You have to uh, um, go at each of those passages with the pre-trib rapture doctrine in mind and read it into the text because it is not there. Mm-hmm. So um, so the, the biblical evidence against the pre-trib view is simply that the Bible has nothing to say about the pre-trib view. Um, yeah. There again, we love our, our brothers yeah. and sisters who believe in the pre-trib rapture and are looking forward to getting out of here before things get tough, but um, we, we love you and we can agree on a whole bunch of other issues, but... Um, but that one scripture simply doesn't speak to. So the best, the best biblical evidence against it is that the Bible has nothing to say in agreement with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even Leah offers the point um, that uh, most people mistakenly think that the whole tribulation is God's wrath and judgment. But the word is fairly clear that the suffering during the tribulation is from Satan's wrath poured out, and God's wrath doesn't start until the opening of the seven vials and bowls. What, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I might amend the language very slightly. I, I don't know that it's all Satan's wrath. I think um, I think that it could be argued that much of the seals, the six or the mm. seven seals mm. are uh, man's doing to man. Mm. Um, 
which obviously the enemy has a significant role in tempting and accusing and all of that. So mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't necessarily try and draw a delineation there. And I'm not sure that that's necessarily what she's trying to do. I do completely agree that it um, not all of the revelation is God's wrath. It, mm -hmm. it makes a fairly clear line. And in a, I completely agree with Leah that the um, that God's wrath is held in the bowls or the vials, depending on what translation you're reading. Mm -hmm. um, but if I recall right, she also mentioned in her email that she holds to the the pre-wrath rapture perspective. Right. Yeah. Pre-wrath um, rapture, quote unquote. Uh -huh. And she she asked for uh -huh. clarification on our view. Um, so, Josiah, in just a second, I'm going to let you explain the etymology of the word rapture, but also um, I'm, I'm familiar with the pre-wrath view. For, for those who might be less familiar, the pre-wrath view basically says God's wrath doesn't start getting poured out until the seventh trumpet, which is also the beginning of the bowls or the files. Mm -hmm. And at that point, we get raptured out of here, sit in heaven for the duration, and then come back afterward. Um, I don't agree with that perspective because I don't agree that the rapture consists of or and I don't think scripture at all teaches that we will be removed from the planet for any duration of time, mm -hmm. sit and watch events unfold, whether it's the whole seven years of revelation or just the bowls or whatever. Right. I don't see anywhere in scripture where it teaches that we're going to be sitting in heaven waiting for something to transpire and then come back down afterward. Right. I see it far more as a mirror um, on a larger scale of the Exodus, where mm -hmm. the children of Israel were still in Egypt, in the land of Goshen, during all of the plagues and all right. of the events, mm -hmm. but they were protected from the plagues. Mm -hmm. And then it's only after all is said and done that they get physically removed. So I think, as we talked about during the rapture episodes, um, I think... As First Thessalonians chapter four does speak to, not referring to a rapture, but we will meet Christ in the air and then join his entourage, him and his angels, and come right back down to earth. Right, right. And in Revelation 14, it says that the Lamb is stand 14 chapter chapter 14, verse 1, excuse me. It says that the Lamb is standing on the Mount of Olives. So right there we see Jesus back on earth. Right. And he is on earth during the bowl mm -hmm. uh, or vile judgments. Mm -hmm. So it seems somewhat silly to me to assume that we will be in heaven watching it happen while Jesus is on earth right. doing it. Right. So um, so that's that's my long-winded brief explanation. <laughs> Josiah, why don't you tell us about the etymology of rapture? Uh, absolutely. Uh, one, one quick thing I thought I'd, I'd note was actually two things. One, I really... The, the, the reference you made to the Israelites in Egypt and going through, the, that was, I completely agree with that. That's, that's a, hadn't something I'd actually con fully considered, but it, it makes sense. It, 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 it maintains that narrative throughout scripture. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think that's a fan phenomenal example. Uh, the other thing I would point out is, is that one of the difficulties I even ran into, and I remember dealing with this sometimes in, uh, in, in some of the universities and seminaries I, I attended, was uh, the the Western tendency to approach the Bible from a chronological position as opposed to a thematic one. Because uh, when you read, say, for example, the book of Judges, uh, this actually came up as a pretty big discussion in a, in a course I took. 
And um, I pointed out at one time that the last two stories in the book of Judges chronologically kicked off the Judges era of Israel. And um, me and my professor, we had some back and forth on that. And even my uh, my other classmates, we had a lot of conversation about it. There is, uh, what is his name? I think it's Young's Chronological Bible. I think I could have that wrong. But there is okay. Reese's. That's it. Reese's Chronological Bible. It's usually done uh, with the KJV version. And Reese went in and actually did a chronological uh, layout of Scripture to the point where he'll even, um, for example, with the uh, Gospels, he'll take the story of Jesus and he'll take the portions of Gospels. Not, he's not, not, I don't like the word he's taking it apart, but really he's taking all of the events and he's printing it out in a way that presents the information chronologically speaking. And so yeah, he's just reorganizing the narrative. Yeah, yeah. To, to make points, to be able to see it from a chronological point of view. And so when we're dealing with a language and a, really a thinking style that's quite opposite to our own, it can be a challenge to to try to even get get into that frame of perspective and point of view. Um, because, yeah, I, for one, having read novels and everything and Matt and as well, uh, we have this desire to we have this more, uh, excuse me, this uh, interest to uh, want to see a story chronologically. But even the writer of Judges was making a point. I want you to understand the point of what I'm trying to say here. This is bad <laughs> and not necessarily so simplistic or anything like that, but. Um, it was the attempt of Israel to want to have a king and to no longer see God as their ruler. And so let, let, let I'm just bringing this up so that we can just keep it in, in front of us and just realizing, you know what, this is a challenge. It is a challenge. And it's a challenge for me. I thank Matt so much for his experience with this topic because it's one that I'm still getting used to. But um, it, it it is a challenge to read all this and figure out where does what happen but at the same time, I would go, so we're going to talk about this etymology real quick. At the same time, let's look at 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, 18. So we got 17, but let's look at 18 real quick and see what it says. And it says very simply, encourage each other with these words. Okay then, so let's ask a basic question. Why would that statement be made in light of the rapture? What's, what's so encouraging about the rapture? Now, yeah, it would be an encouraging thought to think we are not going to have to experience all the tribulation. Oh, that would be <laughs> that would be nice. Uh, who wants to be uncomfortable, right? But at the same time, when we look up in 13, we begin to see what it says. It says, now, brothers, we want you to know the truth about those who have died. Otherwise, you might might become sad the way other people do who have no nothing to hope for. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, he also, we also believe that in the same way God, through Jesus, will take with him those who have died. When we say this, we base it on the Lord's own word. We who remain alive when the Lord comes will certainly not take precedence over those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a rousing cry, with a call from one of the ruling angels, and with God's shofar, those who died united with Messiah with, with the Messiah will be the first to rise. Then we who are left still alive will be caught up with them 
in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we will always be with the Lord. So, looking at the at the context first, we see that the subject matter of this portion of Scripture is specifically talking about, it's actually almost a chronological event in the sense that you're understanding that those who are alive are, are not going to be the first invited up. It's going to be those who have passed, and that they will be raised back up from the dead. So, if you're a reader looking at this, and you're wondering, God, are you going to remember me when I die? I, I remember an older gentleman, he gave his testimony. Uh, he was a World War II waste belly bomber out of a B-25, and he had an amazing story. I won't go into all of it, but one the last thing he said in his testimony, which was more present-oriented, was that he was quoting a hymn that says, Lord, please don't pass me by. He was in his 80s. His wife had recently passed away, and he just he wanted to that reassurance of going, God, I don't... I want to know that you're not going to look over me, that you're not going to pass me by on this. And that's really what the scripture is doing right here. This is being used for encouragement. But let's look a little closer at the word rapture. Now, um, what's interesting about the word rapture is that it, it, it a lot of Christian thinking has been influenced by what's known as the Latin Vulgate Bible. And the Latin Vulgate um, uh, came around, oh, good grief, what was that? Uh, what was that 1200 AD or CE? I, you know what? I'm very sorry for that, folks. I should have had that information. Uh, but anyways, it is a word that's known in uh, rap uh, Latin. The root word is rapio, R-I-A-P-I-O. Okay. Now the word may sound a little familiar, and that's because that root word is the word for rape. Okay, now it even has an association with kidnapping and or abduction, more specifically with the full word uh, raptura, which is the Greek, I mean, excuse me, the Latin form of the word raptura. And um, but when you look into the etymology of how Christian theology has used it, you're looking through French. So the French usually use the experience of rapture within an ecstasy context so it can be spiritual or otherwise but usually it's an ecstasy experience full of ecstasy and so um but what i even found personally interesting about the the, the word was that it was uh historically associated with violent aggressive sexual acts which is you wouldn't really think would be associated with scripture right right but um when we look at the more modern approach to it, the basic belief is uh, the basic definition, excuse me, is that it's believed to be an act of transporting people from earth to heaven in the end times. And so um, while that is a, a certainly I think it's becoming more of a subjective matter at this point. But um, as we've already discussed, the context of this verse in particular um, 1 Thessalonians 4.17 offers a different viewpoint of what it's even trying, what we're trying to establish through rapture doctrine. So if we were to look for a verse that uh, is more oriented to the definition we have regarding rapture, it would be Matthew 24 verses 40 and 41 where it's talking about one man, two men working, one being left behind and one, one taken and so forth. But interestingly enough, I would even point out that the context of that is related to Noah and the flood. 
I beg pardon. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> okay, we're still people. Um, <laughs> um, so uh, uh, we break wind too. Um, but anyways, <laughs> I don't know if I needed to say that. <laughs> but anyways, um, <laughs> if you look at Genesis chap- uh, uh, chapter uh, uh, 7, You'll you'll also see that with the storyline that's going on, uh, even if you look in some of the original Hebrew, you see that uh, Noah and his family are quote being left behind, okay, and that everyone else is being taken in an act of judgment, and the same can also be seen even with Achan. Remember the Achan trade? Uh, what was that? There was an old axiom. I can't remember what it was off the top of my head, but anyways, Achan was taken out of the camp and he and his family were stoned and after having committed the sin of stealing some of the spoils from jericho when they weren't supposed to right right and god had already established with israel hey jericho's mine everything in it is mine and yet Achan decided to take some so uh we, we we have an interesting dilemma here now i think it comes down to more not necessarily a scriptural dilemma as it does a personal one i was talking with a young man today about this in fact and um we were talking about preconceived notions and preconceived expectations and ideas and how while culture and doctrine has influenced one thing scripture can sometimes be saying something else and that can take us out of our comfort zone that we were talking about earlier and in a way, I'm not trying to create something here, but in a way that can become a tribulation of our own. We're we're going through a tribulation of going, what am I going to what am I going to take as truth here? Because mm-hmm. it's very easy to look at, say, Left Behind, as we talked about in the in the previous episode, this book series. Also the Bible code uh movies from the late nineties and early two thousands, and even all the way back to the seventies with their end time movies. And we can get an idea of, okay, this is where the the human thinking is generally going but thankfully we do have god's word and thankfully we have a way of continuing to maintain an intimate connection with the lord through prayer and i thank god that even in uh, scripture he says that uh, in philippians chapter 3 paul's talking it's kind of his auto memoir so to speak it's towards the end of his life and he's saying in chapter 3 that uh whatever um oh I know the verse. Uh, Let us each live up to what we've already attained, but whatever we do not understand, the Lord will make clear to us or let the Lord make make clear to them. Okay. The Lord does make clear to us. And even he said in uh, John about how the brothers will no longer be the ones telling the other about who God is, but rather the Holy Spirit's going to be doing this work. Now, and that creates, of course, a whole nother conundrum of going, well, how do I know that I'm in, that I'm actually baptized with the Holy Spirit. How do I know that I have this connection with God? And there is, you know what, I'm going to say it. There is a lot of doubt that goes through Christian thinking. And I think Martin Lloyd-Jones captured that very well in his book about spiritual depression. And I think that what Matt and I have done and and what we continue to do is that we, we continue to read Scripture and just ask questions and going, God, we think we understand what this is saying, but what are you saying through this? Because these are his words, right? So if these are his words, let's continue to maintain that communication between him and us and just asking, what are you saying? Now, 
as we've already established, sometimes it's more thematically a focus than it is a chronological one. But that doesn't mean he wouldn't make that clear either if it's chronological. Right. So let's let Scripture speak for itself, which is one, one reason why we quoted a, an axiom, I think we've quoted it several times now, that the Scripture doesn't need to be rewritten. It needs to be reread. And I couldn't agree with that more. So, Leah, I hope some of these, uh, we, we're even going to post an article about uh, the rapture and... Um, uh, we we hope that we hear from you again soon. We've really we're really excited to see emails come in and going. Wow, somebody wants to join the conversation. This is fantastic. <laughs> so, uh, unfortunately, we have. Uh, I don't know if it's on our end or something, but we have misplaced an episode. Uh, so, uh, I mean, an email. I'll get my thinking straight. So uh, we're going <laughs> to go on to another one. Uh, Matt, uh, you wanted to cover one uh, by a lady who sent. Yeah, in... we got we got an email from uh, from another listener and a friend, um, and basically the comment was um, that our she appreciated the dialogue and the camaraderie that Josiah and I have, uh, but she found the conversation to be this isn't the term that that I recall her using, but it was a little bit highbrow. It was a little bit hard to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was specifically in relation to our first episode in the eschatological series, uh, the God, Gog of Magog. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and she said uh, quite plainly in her email, I, had, I didn't know nothing about Gog or Magog or this Gog or that Gog. And, yeah. and, um, and so it, it drove her back to the scriptures to read mm-hmm. what is this? What are they talking about? Stuff like that. And so... Um, so the the advice was let's um, change how we talk about some of the things that we talk about so that it can be more approachable to more uh, more audience. Um, I really appreciate that feedback, and that is true. If we change how we talk about some of these things, it would be more uh, attainable by some. But but I don't think that's necessarily what Josiah and I have set out to do. We're we're basically recording our conversations as brothers and as friends, as fellow beard wearers, <laughs> and um, and anybody who wants to jump on and and have these types of conversations with us is more than welcome to. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I also think that there is a growing number of people in the, um, for lack of a better term, in the Christian community who are disenfranchised with the lack of depth mm-hmm. um, that they are experiencing, even in Bible studies and, and um, home fellowship group yeah. types of situations. And so uh, we love the scriptures. We love to dig in. And um, even if it might be difficult for some to track along with what we're saying, if it makes you go into the Bible and say, what in the world were they referencing? Then praise God, you spent more Amen. time reading your Bible because Amen. of it. Um, I remember when I was a, a new Christian, uh, I was probably, I'd only been walking with God for like seven or eight months. Hmm. And um, I got, God plugged me into this really phenomenal group of young adults. Um, oh, yeah, and, you yeah, we've had that conversation. Um, yes, so, spoiler have. alert: Matt's going to mention something that you're going to hear in an upcoming episode. So, <laughs> that's okay. Oh, Go for whoops. it, Matt. You can reference it. <laughs> Go right ahead. 
so you might have to hear it twice but um, <laughs> um i've slept since we recorded that so it's as if it never happened <laughs> so this group would get together on monday nights to to have our bible study and worship and, and dig in and stuff and then it would go for about two hours and then whoever didn't have to get up super early the next day for work, we would all go to Starbucks, who was, which was open until midnight at the time. And, and we would just sit around and have good conversation. And I will tell you that well over 80% of the conversation, I had no idea what was going on. I wasn't able to track with it. I didn't know what they were talking about, but, uh, but I would go to those because I was so caught by the passion with which they spoke about the Bible. And I didn't get the topics and the nuance of different passages that they would discuss, but I would sit, if, if, uh, forgive the term, but I would almost sit at their feet and just absorb whatever I could because I wanted to be more like these people because I wanted to know the scriptures and I wanted to know God like they know him. And so if you're tagging along with us on these journeys as we wrap up our eschatological study and, and go into others, mm-hmm. um, if if it drives you into scripture, then praise God. If some of it goes over your head, if you would like to give it a, a second listen, go ahead. If you mm-hmm. want to move on to the next one, go ahead. If it's not your cup of tea, we understand. That's totally fine. There's a lot of really good content out there. Um, but I think with what we're trying to do, we're not necessarily trying to reach the maximum number of people. We're trying to just have some neat conversations about scripture, maybe challenge people to ask different types of questions and deeper, harder questions about the Bible, um, not questioning God, but asking questions of God and his word. So yes. we appreciate yes. that email and and the writing in uh, and appreciate the advice. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of what we set out to do. And whatever, uh, so the people listening to this may may be familiar with some of uh, the uh, 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 episodes of some of a, another radio show called Adventures in Odyssey, and a certain person named <laughs> Eugene Meltzner. Uh, yeah, sometimes you can wonder what in the world are they talking about. But um, as I, I would concur with Matt, uh, this is really, I hope, an encouragement to just get back into the, your Bible. Um, yes. And, uh, Hey, you know what? I'm going to dare you to get back in it and prove us wrong. How's that sound? <laughs> Absolutely. Prove us wrong. So um, moving on, we, we only got a, a few, a uh, couple of other emails. And uh, while they may be used more for uh, business purposes, we do want to thank Alex uh, Sanfilippo for reaching out to us and offering to help us out. We really appreciate that. Um, he, yes. He's wanting to give us some uh, technical and practical advice about pod ma- podcast making and so that was very generous of him we are definitely on a learning curve i'm learning now i need to speak stay closer to the microphone because <laughs> uh uh yeah I, I, unfortunately some of the episodes coming up have a little technical I- I- issues but uh please bear with us as we continue to learn um and then uh also we uh uh we we, we want to just thank in general um the people who have even made the uh, the, the comments to us about how much they're enjoying the episode. Uh, mm-hmm. I know that Matt has had some people in his vicinity who have um, said that they're listening, um, but I'm going to take a moment and talk to our, what I would call our biggest fans. Wives. 
<laughs> we could not be doing this podcast without our wives. It really would not happen. Um, my wife is inside right now. Um, actually, she's on her way to pick up our daughter from school, mm-hmm. from a late, uh, from an after school club. And uh, I, I couldn't be doing this without her being able to take care of the kids and, and her encouragement and her pushing me to just continue to do this. She knows how much I enjoy talking with Matt. Um, so I, I'm just I'm just very thankful to my wife for the support and the encouragement that she's offered me during this time. And I, I too, my wife today uh, re- replanned her day such that she could take our three-year-old to Costco while Josiah and I are recording this. So to my beautiful bride as well, thank you for for making this possible for us. Indeed. Um, it is it is so much fun and it's it's rare and difficult to find someone in life that um, that is on a similar uh, biblical and spiritual wavelength such as Josiah and I and it's total God moment of how we met. You've heard that story in our intro before, but um, but we so appreciate our wives enabling us to geek out together and to share it with whoever is willing to loan us their ears for as long as they will. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One other quick note for Leah. Uh, We also read that you were having troubles finding the um, article from Messiah magazine. Uh, I have since found out that uh, that is not available online and it is out of print. Um, so I will caveat this by saying that uh, uh, with the permission, once we gain the permission of the publishing house, we will more than happily uh, share that with you folks in the notes to today's podcast. That way you'll have access to them. Uh, I'll also link uh, my, the article I've written on Rapture. Uh, uh, you, can, you can do it that with what you will. Um, but uh, also uh, we we we're just. I just cannot thank our, our listening audience enough for participating in this. Um, we've been told it's a unique idea to have people join in the conversation, but it's something that Matt and I are passionate about. This isn't about what who it's not about us, first of all, and right. it's not about us knowing everything and having everything right. It's about having that conversation and letting people listen in to us. I, I think I even mentioned in a previous episode about an incident where I was at a truck stop, had a conversation with somebody, and someone overheard me and kind of joined in. So <laughs> it was an o- o- over-the-road truck driver. And so we, we had a fascinating conversation with him. And and uh, so I cannot thank you folks enough for just listening. Uh, I, I don't know if our... Listener in Spain has heard, heard heard our previous reference, but we wanted to thank you again for listening in. Um, hopefully we can hear from you soon and see what you have to say about some of these topics that we've been talking about. But um, yes. as for now, that will be the conclusion of our eschatology series uh, as of yet. Um, I have no doubt that we will revisit some of it or part of eschatology in the future. But uh, for this, we, we really thank you for joining us. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, <laughs> you can email us at beardedbiblebrothers at gmail.com and we will see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>